Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about bunk beds, exercising, and we have part one of our interview with Kevin Gaskill, the author of the book Inspired Leadership. Welcome, welcome one and all to another episode of... Why are you laughing at me? One and all. Yeah. That was that was like uh like the circus announcer. <laughs> that was... Welcome, welcome one and all. That's it. Another episode of the kindness project. You're joined by who? Uh two blokes who used to share a bunk bed. <laughs> She's joined by two blokes who used to share a bunk bunk bed, Russ. That's true, isn't it? Only one of us are glad we don't know, my love. Uh, what one? Probably you. Yeah, you can't well, that, keep that's underneath so anymore. are you are you sharing on this week's episode of the podcast right, so that you want to share a bunk bed with me because <laughs> that's what it sounds like what you said was one of us is glad we don't and it's you so does that mean right. russ and I'm, i might get emotional if the answer is yes <laughs> that you'd love to share a bunk bed with me again what, what that means for me is it was a very happy time in my life and was it a very emotional experience, Raz? Are you getting emotional? No, no was it a happy time know. in your life because you got to uh, kick? It was, it was a very happy bed. time in my life. Was it? Was it happy because you got to kick me through the bed, Raz? No, I'm not. I will find out though that if it, if the occasion ever arises again, I've got a lot longer legs now, so you might bounce a bit higher. <laughs> so if we were ever in a bunk bed, Russ, because I could get this going, right? If we were in a, a bunk bed, who's to say that I'd go top? You probably wouldn't, knowing what's going to happen. Exactly. You'd go top, and I'd do it to you for four hours. That's <laughs> what that is. Just to get you back for all those years of teasing. Yeah, I'm, no, I've never shared a bunk bed. She would have definitely kicked my bunk. Well, we, we just didn't have the space to have our own rooms, did we, in our in, in no, we, we, there was three of us, wasn't there? Me, you, and yeah. Kay, who's our sister. And the, the room just wasn't there. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, Russ, when Dad turned the loft into a insect um, uh, laboratory, he could have turned that into another bedroom, couldn't one, he? One of the... I mean, the crickets and the and the tarantulas had more space than us. Relic. That is one of the best experiences of my childhood. That what seeing the, cricket seeing the spiders and well, uh, going to the insect shows as well. Yeah, that always used to take it's, us to like I don't know, like experiences. Yeah, lim- yeah, and and you know what? You know what? It's made me realise how many like niche interests attract. And I don't know whether it's a UK thing or it's a global thing or, or, or what, but just niche stuff attracts a lot of people. Because I remember going, I mean, we like we, we used to go because like to all the computer events, didn't we? They they were always busy as a kid. But like like how many niche shows My, just attract hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people? I, I agree with that, but going back to the computer thing. When we was kids, they was like from the future, the uh, computer. Uh, meaning, it, it... 
Has a dog got an answer, Russ? Our dog's been... Our dog oh, has got an answer. Sorry, just hold on. It, it wasn't until the early... Yeah. Uh, early 80s that sort of personal computing become possible. And uh, when, when you look at sort of where, where that's come in terms of where we are now, that was like amazing at, at that time. Mm. Uh, I mean, you. There used to be a show on years ago called Tomorrow's Wealth, right? Yeah. All I about the innovations well, of the future. Now, you, if you looked at Tomorrow's Wealth from the eighties, it would just look like um, this weird time capsule that could, of retro tech. Well. Well, I mean, there's, there was a lot of retro tech on it. There was a lot of predictions that they got wrong. Mm. Um, but also, there was a lot of stuff that looks old-fashioned because in 30 years, we've made so many, like 30, 40 years, we've made so many innovations in technology that it just looks like, it looks old-fashioned. And, you know, who would have guessed YouTube in the 80s? Who would, well, who would, have, guessed, who would have guessed how... Easy. Who would have guessed driverless cars in the 80s? Who would, who would have guessed their dominant Facebook would be? Yeah, I mean, social media just wasn't yeah. a concept. That, that, the only way people connected back then was by the phone. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't and, a mobile, it was our phone. Yeah, I mean, you think about like how our cultures change as well, because you... Yeah. But I, I, we, I, we, I'll, I'll think of a sentence that actually makes sense in a minute. No, no, we uh, we um, just I'm just going to spend some time saying we um, uh, are we as a family haven't got a landline have we? No, not anymore. I think we might have a landline phone number, but we just don't plug our any landline phone in. Everything we do is mobile, um, and actually I don't. Think oh, I've, I've got a landline. Most of uh, my calls come through on a landline, but. But it's only because I get a bad signal here from my mobile. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I come directly to the phone. You uh, you send a message and don't look at it. <laughs> I uh, I got a call. Well, I was out with some friends last night, so I got a call, and um, apparently, uh, the family takeaway had turned up, and Charlotte had no money to pay for it. Um, uh, <laughs> What Russ is just involved in some separate weird conversation. What are you, what are you chatting Sorry. about, Russ? I was talking to Kelly about something else. <laughs> oh, for a podcast? While we're doing the podcast, yeah. Right, okay. Um, head in the game, Russ. Head in the game, Russ mate. is not used to being right. We usually just. Let, me, let me tell you what's happened. Somebody's phoned. Um, Kelly works in a little cap, and I, I was doing them a favour and managing their social media. Well, they're fund to say, we need something posted on the Facebook. Kelly don't seem to understand that I'm in the middle of something. Can you need to be done now? <laughs> so a local Norfolk calf wants you to tweet for them or post that's, on their that's Facebook. That's correct. Whilst that's correct. we're recording a podcast that that's has exactly tens of thousands that's exactly of right. Get your priorities right, Kel. What's going that's on? That's right. <laughs>
Don't worry, I'll be having words with her when we're finished. Oh my god. No, don't. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Both of you. It's no I think we I think we might be in a bit of trouble, Russ. Um on that note, let's move on to the question of the podcast. Um, and that is what exercise do you love and what exercise do you hate? And uh, we'll start this week because I shared that um, I love I love a bit of running, I love a bit of swimming. The exercise that I dislike most, <coughs> even though I know I do it and I do a decent amount when I'm in in classes because I know it is good for you, is the burpee. I always dread a burpee. Um, well. Charlotte just physically shivered at the thought of a burpee. She just went, it was like cartoonish style shivering shivering, um, at the thought of a burpee. Russ, what's your um, most uh, favourite exercise and least favourite? I like walking. I find it very, very compiant. I don't do much of it now, but... When when I was walking a lot, it was yeah. And do it, you do you walk with music? Do you no, like? Not always. I, I just wonder. I just like to wonder. I don't like when when I have to be somewhere. I, I start to rush. Yeah. So and then I that, that quick walking is called running, Russ. So just <laughs> no. just just to be clear. Then I then I panic. I'm going to be late. That's called sprinting, Russ. When <laughs> quick running, just, just let's go in the order of like relevance. Walking. You know Stroll, what walking is? Walk, What's the speed? Jog, run, sprint. Mad dash. Mad dash. Mad dash. I've never heard that one. Is that, is that quicker than a sprint? A mad dash. <laughs> What are you doing on a mad dash? What are your arms doing on a mad dash? Show me the arm. <laughs> I mean, you didn't see that. I don't, I don't do that, mate. How do I describe <laughs> that? Russ, describe that. Do the arm move again so Russ can describe it for the podcast. We are just going to describe what a uh, mad dash arm movement looks like. Go on. In. Go on. Just a mad dash. That's speed walking on too much caffeine, Nate. Ah, so right. So so you can uh, you can go for a really slow walk. Stroll. Stroll. Yeah. Walk. <laughs> Power walk. Yeah. Jog. Jog. <laughs> Run. Run. Sprint. Yeah. Sprint. Mad. <laughs> Mad dash. I don't run, sprint, or jog. Boy, but you're having for a mad dash. It's more of a brisk Would you like walk. to try a mad dash, Russ? It's more of a brisk walk. Brisk walk. A mad dash is like a sprint, but you've added like... How like, long have you got to be to go from a sprint to a mad dash? There, there, yeah. There's something about walking in the winter when it's dead cold. It oh. just, yeah, opens up the mind. You know what I think is, I mean, we've spoken about on the podcast before. There's that just element of being in nature as well, isn't there? You know, like sort of. Well, I'm quite rural here. So, yeah. Anywhere we go, we're within sort of a field in a couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. Russ just starts walking. He put. He looks down for two seconds. He looks up. He's. He's in a field. He's surrounded by flies yeah. and mosquitoes, and they seem to follow no, me. Not quite. 
Yeah, so... <laughs> Sorry, this is more... Like, I was just thinking about what I get surrounded by when I go to the woods. You know what, hey, that's more in the summer, isn't it? No, all the time. Like, there's, we've got woods over the back, and every time I go through the woods, I get surrounded by flies and mozzies. You know and... what? I, I, uh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, we we are really lucky, because even though we're in a bit more of a suburban area than you, Raj, you're, you're yeah. definitely more rural. Um, we have got a massive county park at the back of the house. Yeah. Where, you know, you know, Full of flies and mozzie. <laughs> you're, you're painting the ca- beautiful county park like it's some sort of dystopian <laughs> wasteland. I mean, I mean. Oh, and a really nice hill. And if you go and sit at the top, the wind is really nice in your face. Yeah, and you can look over London. And it's really is, funny watching the dog stand with his face against the I wind mean, as it whips it. I mean. <laughs> and it just pushes his moustache back. It's oh, yeah, really he does funny. do that. Uh, yeah, that is a good look. Um, but the funniest thing about walking at the Kent Park is, and you've been trying to persuade me for ages to do it. Come and have a look at this trailer, Dad. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I want to go out and, like, go for a run in some beautiful nature. Every time I go over there with Charlotte, because we go out walking. I thought it was a walk, container. Walk, we go out walking. She yeah, goes, it's a shipping container, Dad. She goes, it's you know what, stairs. Dad? It's got stairs. It's more sophisticated than you, you know, You know what, Dad? Come and have a look at this abandoned shipping <laughs> container I found one day. <laughs> I was like, I'm, try- I'm trying to do something nice. <laughs> Um, Come and look at my this abandoned shipping container. Like a cool container. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're going to get on the um, uh, County Park Tourist Board anytime soon because we are painting it as a dystopian wasteland with just one shipping container. Um, but it's not. It is, when you it go is down lovely. to the shipping container, that is what it's like. it is. Lovely. But you know what? I, I, the the, the mozzies. When I was training for, uh, I think it was 2020, in the summer when it was really hot, I was running over there, n- number one, same as you with walking rats, mental health-wise, like, they, it was really good. But then number two, um, uh, I was training for the, for the run, um, but I used to, uh, I used to run over there a lot. But I used to get a mouthful of I don't know what because there's so flies. many yeah so many flies. I found a dead one in my bag when I was walking <laughs> over there one time. <laughs> just popped in your bag. <laughs> yeah, just I do. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm, I think I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna pop in Charlotte's bag and do it. Well, I was I was sitting with me uh, with my phone recording. Um, I, I just like the sound the birds make so I go and sit over there and I, uh, I used to sit and record the birds singing and I was sitting in the wooded area on me on me hoodie and just recording the birds and listening to the birds amazing I didn't realize you did that you I don't do it that. I don't do it often um can we can can we have some Russ, can we edit in some bird song recordings if, <laughs> if Charlotte uh... no, no, not them singing just them like chirping at each singing? other they were just like chirping at each other like they were having a round it was just, oh, right. just were like... they singing or having a round because it's two different <laughs> sounds I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. being funny it drives me mad oh, <laughs> oh, 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 listen literally oh, from about three in the morning here all I can hear is the birds in the tree behind me Last week on the podcast, we were talking about the importance of nature, and suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, get well, rid of the Exactly, because um, next door used to have a tree, and it used to overhang our garden, right? And there used to be birds that lived in that tree, and they used to wake me up every morning, and now they live on the roof, and they wake me up every morning. <laughs> Sorry, are we, saying, are we saying nature's a good thing, or yes, should we just yes, like... Yes, exactly like, why like farmers have shotguns. Waking me up in the morning. Yeah. 
It's, it's just, it, he can't help having the this boy, can he? Do you know what I mean? Oh, bloody birds. No, uh, I don't mind them, but when it's when they're at it, like all the time. Look at it. What are they doing? They're tweeting at each other. <laughs> yeah, they're sending a viral viral tweet. Are they tweeting at each other? What are they tweeting? Because I've been on Twitter and, and literally... Yeah, it's probably slander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. I like to go over there and like just a bird randomly sing a song I know. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking rag and bone man Schumann. Um, uh, just I love a bird. Oh, I love a bit of rag and bone man. <laughs> it starts singing like wrecking ball. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, yeah, Russ. If you woke up, if the birds woke you up at three in the morning and they were singing Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, would you be impressed, <laughs> wouldn't you? Would you like that? What song would you like them to sing? Orchestra. I'd like them to sing either Seven Years or Mama Said well, by Lucas, Lucas Graham. Graham. Now, I, I like a bit of Lucas Graham. That's, a, that's my go-to song at the moment. What, Seven Years? Uh, seven years on Mama said. Right, right. But is, is Mama said there'd be days like this. Is that the one? No, no different. No, uh, it, it goes, it goes, uh, Mama said that we'll be all right. Mama said that we, we was good kids. Is that your singing voice, Russ? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm loving a bit of Jamie T and. Um, Jamie Kennedy. I'm not Jamie Kennedy. Um, I can't remember his name. Dirk Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy. Not Nigel uh, Kennedy. Kennedy that I might know. Yep, yeah, Sticks and Stones. Sheila. Sheila goes out with her mate Stella. Get the full roll over. Um, and um, if you've got the money. I think it would be fun. Yeah, uh-oh. Yeah, so... Anyway, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is always, of course... Kindness news. Sorry, I was channeling Russ there for a second. <laughs> channeling Russ. Kindness news. <laughs> but, Russ. Kindness news. That's him channeling me. That, that, who's channeling who? Are you that, channeling him? That's my feminine voice. I tell you what, he's full of surprises, isn't he? I don't know if my voice can technically be considered feminine. <laughs> Why? What's the technical evaluation of that? I don't know. I don't know. I've just been told I don't have a... Well, actually, someone told me once I laugh like a middle-aged woman, which, you know... Oh. <laughs> you laugh like a middle-aged woman. Yeah. I don't know whether that's nice or not. I, I love your laugh. I, you know what? Genu- genuinely. Genu- <laughs> <laughs> Did you call me babe, then? You laugh like a middle-aged woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russell, Russell laughs like a middle-aged woman. Um, <laughs> but no, genuinely, I there is no uh, uh, more pleasing sound to me than m- my kids' laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like your laugh oh, is, thanks, is amazing. Um, Sophie, when she laughs, like just it just makes me happy. I see you. I, you like the genuine one. I like the little maniacal one she has. Whatever her plan has gone right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've, you've you've painted the county park in this episode at the back of our house, like dystopian wasteland, and you painted Sophie like some maniacal genius. She is. Um, she is. She's a little like evil genius, like that little laugh. When why are you she, not? 
I'm trying my best here as a dad, mate. What are you? Like, you look like an able genius. Yeah, like she, her plan has gone completely to plan, and then like James Bond uncovering of the plan, and she like has this laugh, like she's been discovered, but it's too late for anything to stop her now. And she has this little laugh where she's like, "You can't stop me." Well, as it goes, the laugh. Um, I don't, I can't, I can't replicate it. It's too like maniacal genius. I don't have that level of. Fair enough. Right, let's move on to kindness news. Um, Ireland offers basic income for artists. The Irish government is offering a 325 euro weekly basic income job for artists. The concept of basic income is an interesting mm. one. And there's a really good reason to be cheerful um, uh, podcast uh, talking about the weather economically. I think some of the Scandinavian countries are trialing basic income. Mm. That's basically everybody gets a minimum level of income um, and uh, effectively... You just earn on top of you it. Just, you just earn on top of it. Taxes are higher, but everybody has that minimum standard of income so they can live their lives. And the, I think the arguments against a minimum level of basic income are... It, it incentivizes people to want to work harder. Um, but the, uh, I think, and it's early days in these trials, so they haven't sort of said it definitively one way or the other. I think the early indicators is it actually doesn't. What it does is give people the grounding to take more risks and start more businesses. Yeah, because they're less afraid of losing everything if they've got. Yeah. A guarantee. Yeah. And I, I'm up for people living their life in the way that they should and taking some of the risks you need to, mm. to get to live the life you want. So I, I don't know whether I'm completely sold on basic income as a as a concept that works, but I think it's one worth thinking about and trying. And it looks like they're doing that um in uh, in Ireland at the minute. So the Irish government is offering a 325 euro weekly basic income trial for artists, which will last for three years. 2,000 artists will be randomly selected for all of the applicants. The government definition of artists is broad and covers any creative or interpretive expression, including visual arts, theatre, literature, music, dance, opera, film, circus, and architecture. The trial hopes to minimise the loss of skill and experience from the art sector, whilst also recognising the value that art is contributing mm. to society. Yeah, because a lot of people who like dream of doing art give up because it's not yeah. as financially lucrative as like I I I you know I really want to write books and stuff. Um, but like a lot of people have said you you won't make money that way. But like no fine. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, I literally. As I, I mean, we will be publishing the Kindness Project book next year. Um, uh, and the reality is that I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it mm. as an expression yeah. of creativity and to just put good stuff out in the world. Oh, fire. You promised me witches from this. Why do I pull this? Witches? <laughs> You'd be lucky if we sell 20 copies. I mean, Russ, I, the, the book that I wrote in 2015. I I'd still get the odd royalty check, um, and if I earn twenty three p a month, um, uh, it's it's a good month. Yeah, so I'd have my cut twenty two p, and you two can share the penny. Russ, uh, Russ, we talked about our penny sweets on the podcast the other day. I I can't get them anymore. What will I do with half a penny a month? Russ, can I I can I I just want to make a proposition. 
transition to you can have 10p right a month i'll have 10p a month and we'll leave him with free yeah, i'll pop it yeah there we go <laughs> yeah well, i'll write the most important people here uh-huh. and then we'll put you to the side so hold on, I come up with the idea for the podcast. Well, well, I thought you said you, get, you, you weren't doing this for money. You I'm, weren't I'm doing not, this for so, so it's completely hold fine. Hold if Russ takes the money and you right, can have the twenty <laughs> Add the twenty right, No, you can I'll, I'll just take if you want to rob me of twenty p. that's more important. Yeah, add the twenty p. All right. Did you come up with your idea for the podcast? Sorry. Did you come up with your idea for the podcast? Yeah. You told me pokies. What do you mean? When you phoned me all them years ago and said, yeah, get involved in this, Charlotte really wants to do a podcast. But we, I, I mean, like we came up with the idea collectively and then I dragged you in, didn't I? Yeah. And then um, I after dragged your, you after, in, Russ. After your last podcast idea flopped. <laughs> John, <laughs> what, what is this? You are, I'm allowed to try stuff and then give up on it, all right? That is like, yeah, the, what was your last podcast? What was your last podcast? Oh, Common Sense Money you wanted a podcast for. Uh, And you remember you made me compile that list of world record holders. I still want to do that. And then find all of their emails. I still want to do that, (laughs) Russ. It took me hours to do. Russ. Um, uh, the time is 12.02, Sophie, as, as we're recording this. Um, we, that is a good idea for a podcast. Yeah, well, well, if I, someone still has the list of world record holders. We can get a new one. Um, uh, but yeah, the, I, I, um, I, I am. And this is, this is my vow to the listeners and you, Russ, and you, Charlotte. At some point in the future, I am going to... I am actually a world record holder, right? I am actually a world record holder. Right? You're a fraction got, of a world record got, holder. Right, right, hold on, hold on. That's, right, I've got a certificate that tells me that I am a world record holder. Part mm-hmm. of it. Okay, now, I did participate in the biggest virtual mass participation event because I ran the London Marathon in 2020 when it was all locked down. And I, I've got the certificate, Russ, saying you are amazing. You are officially That's a world record holder. Well, now, I know that it's only one forty-eight thousandth of a world record. As far as I'm concerned, that's still a world record, though. Huh? You're still listed in that world record. Yeah. Why are you looking doubtful, Charlotte? Doesn't count, does it? <laughs> it doesn't count. Coming, right, coming right. from somebody that's not got a world record, that's a that doesn't count. Yeah, We've got, what, four or five world record books on our shelf down the garage? Right. If your name is listed in one of them, I will I will rescind my statement, but I'm telling you it's not. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Oh, this is my um, uh, promise to you. I am going to try... Just rescind her statement. I'm gonna. I will rescind my statement. I'm. I'm gonna try genuinely to get the own one. All right. I'm not a one in forty-eight thousand share of one. I'm gonna try. Uh, uh, once I've got the book done, to to get the own world record. Is that all right, chaps? Can we get on with this news article now? Bit late for that, isn't it? <laughs> no. What he was 
talking about like, right we were talking about last week on the podcast um i will rescind my statement you will rescind your statement trust me um uh, we were talking on the podcast last week about how in life it's never too late to us so That's is it. it too late at the age of 44 to still aspire to at some point get a world record no it would be great well, why are you gonna get, somehow a... get this podcast a world record yeah, Rust. Why are you going to get that? That'd be quite cool. That'd be quite cool, wouldn't it, Rust? That'd be quite cool. Yeah. Would we then, I would then start have... a world record podcast, Rust? Yeah. Well, we have talked about when this one ends, we'll do another one. So maybe you want to do a business one, Rust, don't well, you? Well, we will. No, we Oh, yeah, Russ, it's boring, Russ. What do you want to do a business one for, Russ? I was looking at that, but the world record one sounds cool. And it's constantly evolving because people are always getting new world records. Exactly. And we won't run out of guests. Exactly. Okay, right. Let's go move back to this article that's just completely gone south. Um, the trial to hopes to minimise the loss of skill and experience from the art sector, whilst also recognising the value that artists contribute to society. In addition, the trial is aimed to prove that basic income enables artists to focus on projects without their project projects being impacted from the stress of needing to look for work in other uh, sectors to sustain them. Artists who apply who are not one of the randomly selected to receive the payment will be offered the opportunity to join a control group study to compare their outcomes versus people who received the payment. The policy was announced by Ireland's Minister for the Arts, Catherine Martin, who was a member of the Ireland's Green Party. The Green Party are one of three parties in a coalition government in Ireland. Uh, when launching the policy, Martin said, I believe that this scheme is a start of a fundamental change in the in the way Ireland supports and recognises her artists and the arts community. Martin went on to say, this pilot scheme represents a groundbreaking opportunity for us to explore how the role of the artist in Irish society can be protected and nurtured so we can continue to be inspired by great art for generations to come. I love that idea. Um, and again, you know, like any new idea, the trial is, is interesting because you just try it and see if it works. Like my failed podcast before, it's just... It's, oh, that one never even got off the ground. I don't no. think you even made how, one episode. No, no. How was it, how was it you failed at that one? I didn't, he didn't start I didn't record it. an episode for us. Oh, well. That, that's probably, that's he, probably the reason he made, he made me and you do all the research and then didn't record an episode. Oh, no. Wait, right. Come on, come on, Jax. As <laughs> consistency goes, doing the podcast once a week for nearly five years is pretty decent, isn't it? No, well, it's not been five uh, years, has it? Four years? Uh, four and a half, yeah. Four and a half, nearly five, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte's looking confused. I'm trying to think how old I would have been when we started this. Where are you? Were, you were 14. Yeah. We've been doing it that long. Yeah, four We've and a half. Holy moly. Yeah. So um, let's talk about um, the next um, bit of great news from the Good News Hub. Thank you for the, to the guys at www.thegoodnewshub.com. Scientists successfully grow plants in soil from the moon. 
Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. I've never had a new trainer do that, to be honest. Oh, hello. They should have made the new one. Interesting. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, Trevor. Hello. <laughs> I'd love Trevor. <laughs> the, the person who wrote the news article. What, um, Trevor? No, it's not. It's uh, uh, Abraham. Abraham. Thank you, Abraham <laughs> Fletcher, for writing this. Oh, hello, Abraham. <laughs> Back in 1971, David Bowie asked if there was life on Mars. Over, no, fi- over 50 I can years. Tell no, <laughs> there was that moon rover who said that sad message when, when he died. Yeah, but he was a robot, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> over 50 years later, whilst we may still be a while away from sustainable life on Mars, we are a step closer to it on the moon. Scientists from the University of Florida have successfully planted crest seeds in soil collected from the moon by astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin during the Apollo 11 mission. The crest seed experiment charted the growth of crests in the soil from the moon with soil from Earth as the control. In week one, the seed all sprouted into seedlings with the moon crest tracking similarly to the crest in the Earth's soil. In the second week, Earth crests surpassed the seedlings grown in the lunar soil. However, the, their growth still impressed the scientists. For their first week or, or so of life, there was really no difference between the controls and the lunar plants. So there wasn't something inherently toxic to the plants in lunar regolith or... Uh, Oh, soil that would prevent plants from growing, says biologist Annalise Paul. University of Florida geologist Stephen Elardo said that that was the first step in what's going to hopefully be a very long, multi-decade process of figuring this stuff out. And when we go back to the moon, doing it on lunar surface, <laughs> first step. <laughs> NASA chief Bill Nelson said, this research is critical to NASA's long-term human exploration goals as we'll need to use resources found on the moon and Mars to develop food sources for future astronauts living and operating in deep space. Amazing. So that is the first step for us growing um, it's one plants small on step the moon. <laughs> Did you like the pun? You, I, I heard it, you, wasn't, I, it wasn't even in, in there. because it, it just said first step. And uh, I read that and I was like, it's one step. I mean, I mean the the fact that you're adding content. I mean, and again, it's something that I've not seen newsreaders do. <laughs> just turn around and go, oh, first step, oh, just add add their own little jokes, you know, halfway through a news article. But I like it. It's a good. You've got your own new, uh, unique newsreading style. I, I really enjoy it. And on that note, we've got a uh, part one of our. Uh, interview with Kevin Gaskell. Um, now, Kevin Gaskell is a business leader. He's run big car organisations in the past, um, and he is also with the book Inspired Leadership. And uh, he's also got a new book coming out soon uh, about his journey across the Atlantic. Uh, in a rowing boat, where one of his uh, values that he had to um, make sure that everybody in the team uh, stood by was, you've got to be kind, because there's no avoiding each other when you're in a boat for a number of weeks rowing the Atlantic. So we speak to Kevin, really interesting guy, really enjoyed the chat. Here's part one of the interview. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on The Kindness Project. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. It's Friday. I've just got back from the gym, so I'm feeling energised, so I'm really good. So talk to me about the gym then. So is it is it early mornings are your habit? You know, you like to, to get it done and get out of the way? Yeah, I mean, 
I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but I do expeditions. My hobby is to do expeditions, and to do those, I've got to keep my fitness level up. 100%. And, and you know, I'm no spring chicken anymore, so <laughs> I, I, I need to do it pretty much every day. So I typically do five or six days a week, yeah. about 90 minutes, and I mix it up between gym work, cycling, rowing, and um, <laughs> dragging tires around the local woods. I, you know what I like? I mean, I, I do a, so I, I'm similar to you. I'd probably do about five days a week. The My, my favourite session during the week is a Saturday because then I get to go outside and yeah. I, I do like a sort of an outdoor boot camp. Flipping tires is great fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 it's good stuff. So tell, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I'm... Uh, I'm a civil engineer by training. Yeah. Um, grew up in the northwest of, of England and in North Wales. Um, studied civil and structural engineering at university. Always wanted to be a civil engineer, became a civil engineer, then decided I wanted to do something different. Studied for an MBA, did an MBA, studied accountancy. So I, as I say, I can, I can read a blueprint and I can read a balance sheet. And then I... Um, I worked at a large chemical business for four years as plant accountant. And then I joined Porsche. Porsche was looking for somebody um, who could be the interface between the commercial team and the engineering team. And I took that role. And over the next five years, I worked my way up through the company until I found myself in a position where the company was in deep and desperate trouble. Right. And much to my surprise, they appointed me managing director. And I was 32 years old. I was as green as grass, um, and my job was to fix the business, which which we did. You know, we built a fantastic team spirit. Um, we had a great team, but they needed leading, and so we we changed the mindset and pulled together a fantastic uh, culture. And within uh, four years, we took the business from number thirty-two, which it was in the marketplace, out of thirty-two brands. We were the bottom right. of the of the market to number one. How's that measured? How, how, do, how do they, because I suppose that, you know, there, there's there's sort of motor brands out there that are, you know, higher end, sell less units, but niche. How, how do they measure the brand brand element? Well, we, we did it on customer satisfaction. So there's a national customer satisfaction survey. And, you know, I was never going to sell more cars than Ford. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to me, the, the key ingredient to success was when the customers say you're the best in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what we were trying to get to, and that's where we got the business. Amazing. Did you, do, you, do you think that sort of having a grip of the numbers and having a grip of the, uh, of, of, of the sort of engineering element of building the, the product was quite a unique combination, one of the reasons that you managed to, to do the job well? Well, it, it seems to be. I, I never considered it that way. I mean, I yeah. I studied engineering because I was interested, and I studied accountancy because I did want that skill. I, I knew I wanted to run businesses. Yeah. And yes, I mean, it's been fortunate for me that I can look at a business from, from both aspects, from the operational aspect and from the financial aspect. And so for the last, I'd left Porsche, I ran BMW for five years where we had huge success. But again, doing the same things, you know, engaging the team, building a culture of, of determination and passion. And then I walked away. Yeah. And I walked away at the age of 40 to build my own technology business, um, which went on to be very successful. And I've been building tech businesses ever since. So I've had 20 years now building technology businesses. I think I'm on number 15 now. Okay. 
and I just have a lot of fun doing it and working with people who share the passion and, and we go out and create something so extraordinary because, you know, talk about the numbers. I don't believe that the way to build anything successfully, take business, is to say, right, we've got to hit this number. No. It's, it's not about that. It's, no. it's about saying we want to build something that's extraordinary. And, and we as a team want to build something that we can look back on and say, hey, look what we did and be proud of it. And so my, my leadership approach is about engaging the team and inspiring the team to build something that is extraordinary. I suppose that's the that's the secret sauce, isn't it? You know, you can have the best qualifications, engineering, and and a really good grip and understanding numbers. But if you don't inspire the people, and I know we're going to be speaking about this quite a lot today, if you don't inspire people to come with you on that journey, it's going to be a lot more difficult, right? Well, it just doesn't work. It just yeah, doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always differentiate between the word motivation and the word inspiration. Yeah. You know, motivation is short term. I can motivate you tomorrow. I'll give you a pay rise. And, and that'll last for three months. And then, you know, the kind of yeah. excitement of that goes away. But if I can inspire you yeah. or to come into the business every day and give your best and have fun doing it and contribute to building something that's extraordinary, yeah. that, that's self-fulfilling. And, and it yeah. goes on and on. And, and that's my approach to leadership. And it links to that, those intrinsic motivations, doesn't it? Not the extrinsic motivations of just a bit more cash. It's like, what do we, you know, what do we want to achieve with our lives that is inspirational? You know, that's the, that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, and talk to me about the book. So really exciting time for you at the minute because the book is coming out next week. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the book is called Catching Giants. And, and that's how... I believe we approached um, the Atlantic rowing race, which we did, finished um, just over two years ago now. It's it's a race from Spain to Antigua in an open rowing boat. Um, we were novice rowers. We'd never rowed in our lives until two years before we did the race. And we took the view that we wanted to go and do something extraordinary. And I mentioned a minute ago that my my hobby is expeditions you know yeah. I, I climb mountains i walk to crazy places but i'd never rode an ocean i'd never rode and we decided that as five novice rowers in an open rowing boat we were going to break the world record for the fastest crossing of the atlantic which is a completely outrageous and arrogant thing to say <laughs> but you know why not kind of thing yeah. so so we took the lessons that we'd learned from business about planning about about inspiration, about the culture, about organization, about process, and we applied it to our preparation for the race. And then we went out and we we set rowing from Spain, um, and uh, we thought we were in pretty good shape until the first night when we got absolutely hammered in a storm. Um, yeah, we've got three, four-meter waves coming over the top of the boat. This is an open rowing boat with... Yeah, yeah. At half a meter freeboard above the water we're down at water level yeah um every you're feeling every way right oh you're feeling every way i mean the boat is all over the place yeah. uh and at one point we had a massive wave hit us and snapped two of the oars so we're completely out of control now and and the the book is the adventure story of how do you how do you row across an atlantic how do you actually do that what, what's it like to be on that little boat 
facing the ocean. And then the other side of the page is, and what are the lessons for business from that? Yeah. So, you know, what do you take out of that situation? You know, 35 days, 19 hours and 50 minutes later, we pulled into Antigua as new world record holders, which was quite extraordinary. Um, What I'm interested in is how that all starts it. So is it just five people you knew having a chat in a pub? Yeah, how, how does that all start in terms of the idea all the way through to just getting in the boat day one? Well, it started because... It originally started because a very good friend of mine, a guy called Peter Van Ketz, had rowed across the Atlantic twice. Right. And and he and I were speaking at the same conference, and he said to me, Kev, you should do it. You'd love it. You'd you love adventures. You'd love rowing the ocean. I said, Peter, you're nuts. I don't know anything about rowing. I don't know anything about navigation on an ocean. I said, I'd just end up dead. <laughs> said, no, 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 no. He said, I'm sure you could do it. I said, no, you're nuts, and I'm not doing it. So I went away. And this thing kind of filtered into, yeah. into my brain, you know, and it goes round and round and round. It's one of those ideas that percolates, I'd imagine, you know. Yeah, it's it percolates. Like, yeah, yeah. And you, you, do, you do a little bit of research and you start looking, you think, hmm, interesting. And then I was speaking at a conference. And I was speaking at a conference in Monaco to 300 marine industry employees. Right. And at the end, there was a, a question uh, excuse me, Kev, what's your next adventure? Because I use pictures from my adventures to make business points. Yeah. I talk about trust. We talk about kindness. We talk about treating, yeah, yeah. treating people properly. And, and so I use examples from the expeditions to say, here, here was the situation. Here's how we dealt with it. Let's yeah. translate that into business. And so I'd shown some photographs of the expeditions. And, and, and one guy said to me, what's your next expedition? And I said, what do I say? Because I haven't got one planned. And then I thought, well, I've just been speaking to Peter. I said, well, actually, I've been kicking around the idea of rowing across the Atlantic. Anybody want to come with me? And you get 300 people laugh, and then it goes away. And I thought, well, that's the end of that. Yeah, yeah. But this guy didn't give up. So afterwards, he came and found me when we're all standing around having a chat. And he said, he said, were you serious? And I said, well, I don't know anything about rowing, don't know anything about navigation on an ocean, don't know anything about sea survival, but other than that, I'm good to go. And he, <laughs> said, well, he said, well, I'll come with you, and I've got two mates who'll do it as well. And it's a, four, it's a four-man boat. Yeah. So it kind of went from there, and then it spun up, and then I told my son, and I've done all the other adventures with my son, and I told him, and he said, well, that's me in as well, so that's five of us. Right. We're five men. And... Um, there's a five-man world record. We're going to beat it. And I said to them, guys, 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 you're all in your 20s. I'm in my 60s. Yeah, yeah. If you want yeah, to break yeah. the world record, then row across with me now. Let me show you how to run an expedition and train you in organization and, and all of that side of it. And then do it again with somebody who's 20. Exactly. <laughs> you do it again with, a, with another young guy and you break the world right. record. And they said, no, 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 we're going to do it with you. And that's what we did. Amazing. I love that. That, my friends, was part three of the interview with Catherine. Uh, Let's move on to the end of the show. Tis the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end. Because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And once again, that is last week's question of the podcast, answered by you guys. Messages sent this week. Uh, last week's question was, what kids' TV character are you most like and why? Uh, in the in the post, you've put extra points if it's a Sesame Street character. Um, so Steve Dan said Fozzie Bear. I think I'm others. Uh, 
I think I'm funny. Others just groan. I mean, Steve's jokes are pretty like. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 guilty of a bad dad joke, but Steve is yeah. Dad jokes are bad. Uh, Steve Chilton has just put a picture of I think that Oscar the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch, and Steve wins this week um, because that is also a Sesame Street character. Christy Mike said, "I know a few counts if that helps." No, it doesn't, Mike. Thank you for being rude on the podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, is it going to take a while for you to? Yeah. No. Anyway, on that note, on that note. That is it for another episode of The Kindness Project. We will see you next week. And, uh, yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.